Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Would you say that with me? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. It's so good to see you, Cathedral, whether you're on site, on campus in the building, out in the amphitheater, out in the parking lot, over in the chapel, or all those who are watching online in different campuses around the bay. Thanks so much for being here today as we celebrate this season. God is good and all the time. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this amazing season where every year we go back to the moment 2,000 years ago that split history in two. Jesus, during Advent season, we remember when you first came to this earth 2,000 years ago, and we also remember and we look forward to that day when you wind up history your second coming, you will come again. But we also recognize that here and now in this place, you are present by the power of your spirit. And we pray God that you would take the next few moments that we have together and that you would transform our lives in the best kind of way. Jesus, you came to bring joy And I pray that you would fill this place with joy even in this moment. And it's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we pray this. All God's people said, can we give God praise? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, before you're seated, look at somebody and tell them we serve a good God. Go ahead and do that. We serve a good God. And we come to celebrate his goodness in the coming of Christ to this world. And for the next few moments, I want to think with you about how the coming of Christ means the advent of joy. The coming of Christ means the advent of joy. Someone once said that there are four seasons to a man's life. There's a season where he believes in Santa Claus. Then there's a season where he doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Then there's a season where he is Santa Claus. And then there's a season where he looks like Santa Claus. And I was thinking in putting this sermon together, maybe what if this season we looked a little bit more, all of us, like Santa? Because the coming of Christ means the advent of, of joy. There's been this connection between Jesus and joy from the very beginning. When the shepherds are out in the fields and they're watching their sheep at night, the angel appears to them and they are afraid. Of course they're afraid. If you were out walking your dog at night and you turned the corner and you ran into an angel, you would be afraid too. In fact, it seems like just about everybody in the nativity story is afraid. The angel says to Zechariah, don't be afraid. The angel says to Mary, don't be afraid. The angel says to Joseph, don't be afraid. And then the angel says to the shepherds, don't be afraid. That the birth of Christ is not a time for fear. Instead, it's a time 
for joy. A time for joy. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 reads this way. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Say that with me. Great joy. Now, the word which translates into our English great, it's where we get the word mega from. You've heard of megaton, megabyte, mega shark, mega millions. In this passage, we find mega joy. Can somebody say amen to that? Good news will cause mega joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There's always been this connection between Jesus and joy from the very beginning. In fact, Jesus himself in John chapter 16, he talks about joy. And in John chapter 16, we read this. He tells his disciples, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your cup of joy will overflow. Overflow. Say that with me. Overflow. I want that to get in your spirit. This is the heart of Jesus for you. Now, let me ask you a question. Right now, what's the level of joy like in your spirit? Do you feel like joy is overflowing or has a weary world knocked the joy right out of your heart? You know, back in the 1800s, there was a, a parish priest over in Europe who wanted to uh, do something special for the Advent season. And so he asked a man who lived in the village if he would write a poem uh, based on the nativity story in Luke chapter two. Well, the guy that he asked, he was not really the church going type, but he was a very good poet. And so he sat down and he wrote a poem and he was so pleased with the outcome, he asked another buddy who also was not a church going type, but he was a very good uh, uh, composer. And so he wrote music to these words and he gave it to the parish priest and they sang it. It became immensely popular Back in the 1800s, it became the first song to be broadcast in history on radio, and we still hear that song today. I guess that's why you don't put God in a box. God uses two folks who were not per se church people to write one of the most enduring songs that the church sings today. The song is called, O Holy Night. And the start of that song goes like this. You know it. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and air pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And that's where I want to pause. The weary world. A weary world can knock the joy 
right out of your heart. One leading psychologist says this about the season of life that we live in, the culture. He said, right now, we're smiling less and worrying more, that happiness is down and sadness is up, that we are getting less sleep, and that depression is on the rise if a weary world has knocked the joy right out of your heart. Today is the day to take your joy back because the coming of Christ means the advent of joy. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Joy. Say that with me. Shout it out with me. Joy because of Jesus. You can stop beating yourself up over your past. And that'll increase the level of joy in your heart. The Bible says this in Psalm chapter 31. I am radiant with joy because of your mercy. For you have listened to my troubles and have seen the crisis in my soul. I heard about this husband. His wife was saying what she wanted for Christmas. She said, go out and buy me something that makes me look slim and sexy. <laughs> and so he went to the store and you know what he got her? He got her a treadmill. <laughs> and when she opened it up on Christmas, do you think he'd like to take that back? I mean, it's interesting. We look back on our lives and, you know, we've said things or we've done things. We'd like to take them back. Even the best of us, we have regrets. And what do you do with those regrets? How do you handle that moment, those moments? Well, neuroscientists tell us that everything that's ever happened in your life is stored somewhere inside your brain. And it's almost like a computer. When you download a document onto that hard drive, it's in there somewhere. You may have to search for it for a while, but it's buried down in there. And they say the same thing happens in terms of your supercomputer, your brain, that every time something happens, every memory is stored in your brain. You may not always be able to access all of it, but it's in there somewhere. Here's the question. What about when one of those memories show up? One of those memories comes to the surface and you just shake your head. One of those things that happened that you wish you could take back and that you deeply regret. What do you do in that moment? I mean, unresolved guilt can cause all kinds of issues in our lives. Unresolved guilt creates a distance between me and somebody else. Unresolved guilt can make it difficult to concentrate. Unresolved guilt can increase your anxiety. Unresolved guilt can lower your self-esteem. Unresolved guilt can actually make you feel heavier than you are. But what I really want us to notice is how unresolved guilt can knock the joy right out of your heart. Because you want to put on the gloves 
and punish yourself. Studies have shown this. There was one study that was done uh, with students and there was two groups of students and, and one of the groups, they were made to feel guilty and the other group, they were not made to feel guilty. And then after the, after the uh, study, they were offered a free gift for them participating in the study. Now the people who were not made to feel guilty, they chose music downloads as their gift. But the people that were made to feel guilty, by far the majority, they felt they didn't deserve downloads, music downloads. Instead, they chose music supplies. Or I'm sorry, school supplies. Now think about that. When you're carrying around unresolved guilt and you beat yourself up, you punish yourself. You will not allow yourself to feel joy or experience joy because you feel you don't deserve it. And so that's why you'll go on vacation and mope. That's why you'll never enjoy the holidays. That's why you'll turn down going to parties because deep inside you feel like you know what you've done. You'll never deserve any joy and you make yourself miserable day after day, week after week, month after month. And the enemy of your soul, he will stand there and in one corner on the sidelines, he is cheering you on. Beat yourself up. Just hit yourself harder. And then everything will be all right. But we know that the enemy of the soul is a liar. And that the more that you beat yourself up, carrying around unresolved guilt is absolutely no fun, no good for anybody. Instead though, if you will take those gloves, set them down and bring that unresolved guilt to the mercy of Jesus Christ and let his mercy wash over you like an ocean washes over the sand on a beach, if you will let that mercy wash over you and take care of your past. See, Jesus was crucified for you so you can stop crucifying yourself. Can somebody say amen to that? Yeah. The baby that we look at in the manger, he is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and if we'll bring our unresolved guilt to him, if we'll drop the gloves today and bring our guilt and our shame and our regrets to him, every saint has a past, every sinner has a future and let the mercy of Jesus wash over your life and help you to take back your joy. The Bible says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. The coming of Christ means that the mercy of Christ can wash over my past and give me my joy back. 
joy. Say that with me. Joy. Say it again. Joy. And that brings us to a, another thing to notice, that because of Jesus, we can, we can overcome our present circumstances. We can overcome our circumstances in the present. In the present. The Bible says this. It says, our hearts ache, but at the same time, we have the joy of the Lord. Our hearts ache, but at the same time, when your heart aches, at the same time, you can have the joy of the Lord. Yesterday, my heart ached. It's been five years since my dad passed away. Your heart can ache, but you can still have the joy of the Lord. You really can. They're not mutually exclusive. I heard about these two buddies who were meeting at lunch to catch up. And so they're at lunch. They have a great time. They're laughing, talking. And at the end of lunch, one of the buddies says to the other, he says, hey, can you give me a ride? And he said, I totaled my car this morning and I just need a ride from here. And his buddy said, of course I'll give you a ride. You, but you gotta be kidding me. You totaled your car? It didn't show at lunch. And the guy said, well, he said, I figured, look. He said, I totaled my car. Nothing was gonna change that. And I still had the power to choose, well, what it was gonna do to my lunch. I could either let it ruin my lunch or not ruin my lunch. And so I decided to hold on to my joy. See, you have the power to choose. No matter what circumstances are going on in your life, circumstances are not unimportant, but they're not all important either. And because of Jesus, you have the power to choose joy. One great spiritual leader, Henry Nouwen, he says this about choosing joy. He says, joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. Choose joy. Say that with me. Choose joy. And Jesus gives us the power to choose. You know, we can't always choose our circumstances. We can't. There was this one commercial I saw, and this guy goes out to his car. It's winter. Watch the screens, and he's having a hard time. Don't you hate when that happens, right? <laughs> uh, you can't always control your circumstances and sometimes your day starts off like that, but you can still choose joy. Your happiness may depend on your happenings, but joy, we have a joy that's deeper and more durable than that. 
And you can find joy even in the midst of your sorrow. The night before Jesus goes to the cross, he tells his disciples he's going to die. And that's going to be a great sorrow for them. But when he comes back from the dead, they will have mega joy. He says this in John 16. He says, you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. No one, no one, say that with me, no one. That means the devil can't rob you of your joy. That means your boss can't rob you of your joy. You may think your boss and the devil are one and the same. They still can't rob you of your joy. Your mother-in-law can't rob you of your joy. She can come close. But even your mother-in-law can't rob you of your joy. You can't control other people, but you can control whether or not you let them rob you of your joy. And Jesus gives us the power to choose, to hold on to our joy. There was a man in the Bible by the name of Paul, and he was stuck in prison waiting in his cell for his trial to happen. And the only crime he had committed was being a follower of Jesus Christ. And so he's stuck in this prison. It's not fair, but have you noticed life is not always fair? And while he's waiting in prison to make matters worse, his critics on the outside are having a heyday. There were other leaders who were jealous of Paul, and so they loved to criticize Paul. And now that he's in jail, oh man, they are having a time. But Paul refused to let them rob him of his joy. Bono once said, joy is defiant. And Paul, in the midst of his prison cell, Paul, in the face of his critics, writes this in Philippians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice, rejoice, and rejoice. Hallelujah. There's a reservoir of joy you can tap into. In the Palm Springs area, there's a reservoir that stretches 75 miles. Its storage capacity is equal to uh, 30 million football fields. I mean, it's, it's the main source of water for this whole valley area, the whole desert area. And yet, if you want to find it, you have to go beneath the surface because the water is underneath. And in the same sense, if you want to find joy, there's a deep reservoir of joy that's available to you and I, even in the desert. And the way you find it is to dig deep into Jesus. You lean on him, on his presence and his power. It is being present to his presence in the present. Let me say that again. It's being present to his presence in the present. And when you dig deep into Jesus, he's the most joyous person in the universe. And the Bible says 
you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Today is the day to take back your joy. Take it back. Because the coming of Christ means the advent of joy. Joy, say that with me, joy. And that brings us to one last thing. That because of Jesus, we can enjoy our journey. We really can. The Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. Say that with me. This is the day. Uh, next week when you're stuck in traffic, I invite you to do a, a, a social experiment. As you're stuck in traffic, keep your eyes on the road, but glimpse at those who are in traffic on your right and on your left. And my guess is you'll see two kinds of people. One kind of person is enduring the journey. Something like this. I mean, it doesn't make traffic go any faster, move any quicker, and all they're doing is enduring the journey. On the other hand, you'll also see people that are doing this. They are enjoying the journey. They're in the same traffic, but two very different responses. And from this little social experience, you can understand why it's good to have a destination you want to have somewhere where you're going, where there's no hope for the future, there's no joy in the present. On the other hand, you don't have to wait until you get to your destination to experience joy right now. This is the day. Not tomorrow is the day. Not the day after tomorrow is the day. Joy is right now. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. Say it with me. This is the day. Sometimes we get stuck. I've been there. We get stuck in this when-then way of thinking. When this happens, then I'll be happy. When I get into a good college, then I'll be happy. When I get out of that college, then I'll be happy. When I get a job, then I'll be happy. When I retire from my job, then I'll be happy. When I get married, then I'll be happy. When I'm unmarried, then I'll be happy. <laughs> when we have kids in the house, then I'll be happy. When the kids are out of the house. Are they ever out of the house? I saw this one couple, they took a picture of their empty nest. It says, and then there were none, celebrating the empty nest. See, we get into this when-then way of thinking and we miss out on joy that we can have right here in the present. Every once in a while, I'll be with a group of other pastors and they ask me to serve on a panel. I guess I'm the old guy in the room and they want me to serve on the panel. And they'll ask me a question. If you were to give your younger self advice, what would that advice be? And one of the things I find myself saying is that I would have told my younger self to enjoy the journey more. Because just being real, when I was younger, I was so focused on the destination. I mean, I was. I was driving. But I was so focused on the 
destination, that there were moments, seasons, I missed the joy. I would have told my younger self to enjoy the journey and I would tell you today that same advice. Enjoy the journey. Think of the ultimate destination we have. We're ultimately all gonna be in heaven. Anybody looking forward to that day? Yeah. You think we'll have a lot of joy there? Yeah. But Jesus came so that we could have not just the joy of heaven, but bring some of that joy to the here and now. Religious leaders in that day, they viewed history in two stages. They viewed history as being broken up into this age, the broken world that we live in, and the age to come, which is the perfect world that we will live in. What they didn't expect is that God would invade history and come into this world as a flesh and blood baby and bring some of the age to come into the present world. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to bring some of heaven to earth. And that's why we read in Romans chapter uh, 14, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We'll have joy then, but we can have joy now. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Because wherever you're at on the journey, there is always room to be grateful. And gratitude gives rise to joy. In 1 Thessalonians, there's two verses that are really close to each other. It says in one breath, always be joyful. And then in the next breath, it says be thankful in all circumstances. And I think that's why uh, the reason it's like that is because those two things are linked closely together. Gratitude brings joy. And wherever you're at in your journey, there's always room for gratitude. So here's my cathedral challenge. In just a moment, the World of Arts team is gonna come and wind things up with a great number. But here's my cathedral challenge to all of you. For the next seven days, you can do anything for seven days. For the next seven days, just take a moment before you go to sleep at night and count your blessings. Think about what you have to be grateful for. Especially think about what Jesus has done for us. I can thank him. I can thank him for saving me. I can thank him for having mercy on me. I can thank him for giving me favor. I can thank him for loving me even when I haven't been lovable. I can thank him for giving me purpose in life. I can thank him for transforming my life. I can thank him for giving me eternal life. I can thank him for coming all the way from heaven to earth. How big a step was that? To come all the way from heaven to earth as a flesh and blood baby and then to live the perfect life that I could not live and then to die the death that I deserve to die and pay the price for my sins. I have so much to be thankful for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the more I am grateful, the more I'll be joyful. Enjoy the journey. I'm going to invite you 
Choose joy. Say that with me. Choose joy. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? They're going to clear the stage and the world of arts is going to get ready for this last number. And it's a powerful number as we celebrate the birth of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Would you say, Ken, you know, I've, I know about Jesus. I like Jesus. I admire Jesus. That's why I'm here. It's not that I've got anything against Jesus, but I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus. And I want to move from being a fan to being a follower. And if that's the decision you're making today, whether you're on campus or whether you're watching online, I invite you to make that decision. When you lift up your hand real high and just say, Pastor Ken, that's me. I'm making a decision today to become a follower of Jesus. Lift up your hand real high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God sees your heart. He sees your hand. Knows your heart. That's the start of joy. Father, I thank you right now for all those who are surrendering their lives to you. They're declaring, they're receiving you as the Savior. This is what Christmas is all about, your love reaching out to us. And they're declaring that you are in charge of their lives. We surrender it to you. Every journey starts with a step and we start that journey today, oh God. And then I pray for all of us. I pray for all of us. Living in a weary world can just knock the joy right out of our heart. And for all those who've found their joy levels pretty low, their tank is dry. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move in this place, that deep reservoir of joy that's found in Jesus would fill our minds and our hearts even this moment. We may have come to church one way, but we can leave here a different way. We can choose joy. When we have Jesus, there's always room for joy. And we choose joy today. In the name of Jesus and for Jesus' glory, we pray this. All God's people said, amen. amen. Let's give him praise. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And now here is our World of Arts team to present to you the joy that we have in Jesus Christ.
Oh, that's awesome. Would you stand with me? Let them know how much you appreciate them helping us celebrate. Tommy, the band, the dancers, the drama team. Amen. Choose joy. Say that with me. Choose joy. Just a couple of things before I dismiss you. Um, first of all, uh, don't, if you don't have to rush home right away, we've got in the lobby, the bagpipers will be out there. We've got the Christmas market and um, it's, it's a lot of fun. We've got over here, the immersive experience in the chapel. And uh, if you haven't checked that out with, yet, uh, please do so after service. And if you have, need prayer, our team will be down here to pray with you and for you right after service. And then don't forget next week, we have three services, nine, 11, and five o'clock. And we have some special things planned. It's gonna be a great time to come out with family and friends and celebrate Christmas Eve. Now, before I say the blessing, let me also mention that our cathedral uh, worship has put together a very special CD with four songs on it for Christmas. And so you can also pick that up in the lobby. And I want to give this to Shirley. Merry Christmas. I love you, Shirley. Oh, love you, love you. Oh. Ah. All right, cathedral, you ready for a great day? What day? This is the day. Say it with me. This is the day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And today, this is the day. Today, the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. God bless you as you go.